Welcome to When I Was On My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. Welcome to When I Was On My Mission. We're going to switch things up today. I'm going to interview Brian. I'm going to let him be the guest today. So I'm Peter Tolman. I'm here with my good friend, Brian Jensen, the host of this podcast. Brian, welcome to your own podcast. Peter, thanks so much. This is super fun. And just for the audience's benefit, Peter and I have known each other our whole lives, grew up you know, together, family, friends, and he has some of the most amazing missionary stories that, that I've ever heard and uh, you know, super inspiring guy. And so it's fun to kind of turn the tables and he's, you know, exactly the guy that I'd want to, to interview me to share some stories. So thank you, Peter, for doing awesome. that for me. Yeah, hey, thanks for letting me. So Brian, where did you serve your mission and when, how long ago was this? So I served from 06 to 08 in the North Carolina Raleigh mission. Okay. So that's the eastern half of North Carolina out to the ocean. Okay. Awesome. Super beautiful mission, you know, not even arguable. It's the best mission um, that you could serve in. Amazing people. Southern hospitality is is real and uh, just incredible people to, to talk with and live around. That's awesome. Were you English speaking? Yes, English speaking. With um, a Southern draw. <laughs> yes, I, Southern English. Southern uh, English. Southern English speaking. How's, and, how's your Southern English these days? Oh, it's I've, I've lost a lot of it. The, the y'all comes, comes back a little bit sometimes. And it's a softer Southern accent in, in North Carolina than other places. It's really charming. I wish I could do it, but I'm just going to embarrass myself. I want I at some point in your story today, I want you to just like bust it out for a couple of like <laughs> just... Also, I'm going to affirm and surprise us. Um, okay, so what was, before we jump into your story, what was the strangest thing you ate on your mission? What did I have that was weird? I can't remember what they call it, but it's like pig's tail and you like suck the fat off the tail. That was, oh. that was weird. Didn't, didn't love that. I just um, threw up in my mouth. I know. That one wasn't, didn't love it. I never ate chitlins, which is pig intestine. And that was always like the fan favorite. You know, if you ate chit- chitlins, you were welcomed into a different group of missionaries that was there on the on the mission but you, you didn't feel you had a point to prove there no i just never had a chance like i there like it would always be some they'd bust it out and you just have to roll with it but it wasn't really i don't know i i never saw it on, i never sought it out i guess one day i'm gonna bring it to you okay and be your, your opportunity if you, if you do that we'll record it okay. <laughs> look for the episode where look brian for, eats look for the chitlins. episode yes any any people from north carolina if you could send them to him that'd be great that'd be great that'd be uh, there's so many people that probably would but <laughs> um okay well let's get into it what uh, so brian has a story for us go for it yeah sure so when i was on my mission i had been out for probably around 22 months you served for 24 months two years in total. So I was kind of a seasoned missionary, knew what I was doing a bit and, and things like that. And we were working with this less active member and we'd been excited. He'd been making a bit of progress, super cool guy, active military in the special forces. Uh, North Carolina is a big military state. So you'll interact with super inspiring people that have done a lot of cool things. I have a lot of respect for the military. Um, and so we're excited to be working with him, hopefully get him coming back to church. And we went over to his house one night to have a lesson. And his girlfriend opened the door. He's living with his girlfriend. She just seemed super nervous, like borderline afraid. 
which was weird. She'd never seemed that way before. And she looked at me and just said, don't leave me alone with him. And that was, you know, a little bit alarming. I didn't know what she meant by that. And so I just said, okay, we won't, we won't leave you alone with him. Like, were you nervous at that point? Yeah, I was nervous. Like, it'd be interesting to see what my companion thought of that. But um, anyway, so we go in and she shows us in and, and takes us to the living room where we normally teach him. She goes and gets him and he comes downstairs and he's just raging drunk, angry, not happy, not excited to see us, just a very angry, angry drunk guy. And it's a little bit of kind of a, a testament to some of the respect that missionaries get because he still treated us in that initial interaction like, you know, didn't just kind of fly off the handle and kick us out, like actually sat down and started to have a conversation with us. But it just turned into the most awkward, like small talk that I've ever had in my life, just trying to kind of shoot the breeze with him and remove, I don't know, some of the aggression, but it just wasn't working. We're kind of trying to get things rolling and eventually gets fed up with it. And just so, hold on, before you go into that, he's raging drunk. His girlfriend's nervous. You're like, was there ever a thought of we got to get out of here or was it okay? I never thought that I needed to get out of there. Like it was like, I need to be here now. That was kind of my, my feeling. I didn't feel I was in physical danger. I mean, I was aware that this guy had training and definitely could beat me up if, if he wanted to, but I didn't feel at risk, I guess. And I, I don't know why. And maybe I was just kind of, you know, naive and not really thinking about it, but like trying to figure out what's going on and how we could help. Yeah. I think that's one of the, one of the gifts that missionaries get a spiritual gift of just that that confidence and protection of, look, I'm, I'm on the Lord's errand and he's got me. I, I love that it was, hey, I knew why I was there. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's right. And I've had, I can digress into other situations that would have seemed scary at other times, but I've kind of felt that way several times. So we're sitting there and having awkward small talk and he kind of gets fed up with it and just looks straight over at us and goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> and um, me, like any good missionary, I just look to my right and just expect my companion to jump in and, and field that tough question. You know, that, that is exactly that is a seasoned missionary move, just just so you know. So he takes the angle of just kind of, hey, I'm just here because I love you and we want you to to, you know, live the plan of salvation and return to live with Heavenly Father. Just kind of like that textbook missionary Sunday school answer. And it was just so apparent that that was not what he was he was looking for. It was he wanted to know like why are you in my house right now specifically? And so I was like, okay, it's my my turn to answer this question. And so, you know, he looks to me, and this is one of two times in my life that I really feel like God spoke to me. It was like I could see text in my mind that kind of scrolled, and I could just say what was what was in front of me. And so I said, look, I want you to stop taking drugs. I want you to stop drinking. I want you to stop abusing your girlfriend or whatever it is you're doing. I want you to stop living with your girlfriend. I want you to start living the law of chastity. And just went through a litany of, you know, <laughs> things he was doing that, you know, sins that he was committing, things that he was doing to not live up to church standards. To an angry drunk guy, yeah. you tell him everything that's wrong with him. Everything that's wrong with him to his face right there and with extreme confidence like this is exactly what i'm supposed to be telling this oh my person gosh. and you're like 20 years old yeah yeah i'm like 20 and i get done and he is pissed like so mad so much angrier than when we we came in is what it what it seemed to me 
that he's kind of looking at me and, and that I actually did get a little bit scared there. I just think in my mind, like God, what's next? Like you better tell me the next thing to say. Cause I feel like I am doing what you asked me to do here. And then the next thing came and it was just a thought and it was give him a hug. And that just seemed impossible to me. Like, how am I supposed to give this guy a hug? And so I like stupidly looked down at my hands, can't think of anything. So I just look back up at him and kind of just bashfully go, do you need a hug? He looks over at me and says, yes, I do. And so I stood up, walked across the room, gave this guy a hug, and he breaks down and cries and says, I believe everything that you told me. I think that's all true. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you told that to me. I want to do those things. And can you guys help me do those things? And it was the most just incredible experience that I had, you know, just something that was totally unexpected, nothing that I could have thought of on my own. I never would have thought Brian independently to tell this person everything that he was doing wrong, number one. And then number two, there's no way that I logically would have thought I needed to give him a hug. Like that was against every instinct that I had. And uh, yeah, he, wow. you know, total turnaround in that scenario super humble. I think I said this, but I was about to go home for my mission. And so he came to church a couple times and started to progress, but I kind of lost, lost contact after that. But, um, anyway, that was, that was my story that, that night. It was incredible and something that really does even sustain me in my faith, you know, now. That is remarkable. Just, I love that you, you had such clear directions, but also as a 20 year old kid in a somewhat dangerous situation, you just had the confidence and the faith to do what you were told to do. Say things that don't make sense to say. And then a guy who wants to beat your face in and can, <laughs> did you be like, you need a hug? That's amazing. Yeah, it is interesting because I don't, I don't know how confident I was in saying it. It was like almost like, all right, I got to do this. Just it's what I got to do. I, I don't, this doesn't seem logical to me, but, but I got to do it. Yeah. The epitome of faith, right? I just... I trust that this is the right thing to do. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to do it because trust that it's the right thing to do if God says yeah, it is. That's, pre- that's pretty much it. You know, it, it turned out much better than I would have thought it would have. And, uh, you know, that was a story that, that me and my companion at the time, still, I still keep in touch with him and we'll talk about it from time to time. She's like, did that really happen? I'm like, yeah, it did. It's a remarkable story. Good. Well, I want to just close with the question that you get to ask every time. Sure. Was it worth it? Going on a mission for two years, leaving everything behind, was it worth it? Yeah, it was absolutely worth it in every regard. I think it was different than a lot of LDS guys that serve. Like I was just transparently growing up, I was never excited to go on a mission. Like really? I, no, I wasn't. I didn't want to leave home for a couple of years. I thought I'd miss my family. I thought I'd miss my parents, you know, my friends and stuff like that. And it just, it seemed like a, a burden and like a real sacrifice that I was going to have to make. But I needed to do it out of a sense of duty and, you know, things like that. So I I didn't have that excitement and really probably wasn't thinking about my mission the right way before I left and went on my mission. But I got there and kind of went all in, you know, just thought I'm going to do everything I can to do this the right way while I'm here because it doesn't make sense to do it any other way. And um, loved it, like changed, you know, changed everything about me, changed my life, set the direction that I would go on, uh, you know, in the future. And I remember thinking that uh, that I was making a big sacrifice when I left home. 
just was 100% clear by the end of my mission that I had sacrificed nothing and had only been given like an amazing gift that I could never return. And uh, yeah, that's how I, how I still feel about it today. There's nothing I could have done in, in that two year time span that would have been better for me as a person and, and better, you know, for the friends that I was able to make and relationships that I was able to make while I was there. Man, that's awesome. How long did it take you into your mission to have that shift from duty to being in it? Probably like, I'd say like two or three months. Okay. Like I got, went out in January, got to North Carolina in February and it's kind of like dreary-ish, you know, kind of gray, just felt a little kind of gray. And then things picked up and you kind of get rolling. You meet people, you start realizing that knocking on doors isn't super scary the worst thing is going to happen is somebody's going to say no. Actually, you've had some worse things happen to you <laughs> than people saying no. But it's not, you know, it's it's not super scary. And then you meet people that that are super inspiring, that give you a perspective that you never would get. Just continue to live on the east side of Salt Lake City or wherever it is you're from. Yeah, and so it probably took me, you know, two three months to to get there. And then, you know, I'm not going to say like every day on my mission was the most amazing day and you didn't experience some boredom or kind of get tired of some of the aspects of missionary life, like the strict rules that you have to follow and things like that. Like some of that, you know, definitely lingered, but, uh, you know, was just way overshadowed by the great experiences that you're having and the closeness that you feel to Heavenly Father and just the relationships that you have with those other missionaries. That's one aspect too. Like it is, it is fun and it's an adventure. Like you're, you're living out there with guys that are your age, you know, girls, you're living out there with girls that are your age and you're in a totally different place, interacting with strangers every day, having some of the craziest and coolest and funniest things happen to you. And it really does feel like an adventure and some of that starts to happen and it gets you excited about it too. At least that was my experience. That's fantastic. It just makes me want to go back on my mission. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining me on your podcast. It was so good to hear your story. So thanks so much, Brian. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. It's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When I Was On My Mission. If you or someone you know has a great mission story, we would love to hear it. Please email us at contactonmymission at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at When I Was On My Mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app.